Today we're going to continue in our sermon series uh, that we've been studying for the past several weeks. It's entitled Stand, and in this whole four weeks we've been talking uh, from the book of Daniel and the amazing thing that God has done there. And Today we're going to be talking about standing firm in the fire. Standing firm in the fire. You know, many of us right now, we're in a hard time. You might be sitting there saying, that's right, preacher, I really am. You're in a hard time in life right now. And I heard it said one time, it went like this, you're either coming out of a hard time or you're in the middle of a hard time or you're getting ready to go into a hard time. And church, that is life. It really is, it's life. But see, here's the problem is many Christians believe, many times we believe that we should never have to suffer whatsoever. The fact that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that I should never have to suffer in any way, shape, or form in church, that just is not correct. Because Jesus tells us this in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, church, many of you right now, you're sitting here in church and and you're going through some, maybe a battle in your life. We'll call it a fire. It's a fire of one kind or another right now that you're going through it. Maybe it's a a financial fire, church. Maybe it's a relational fire. Maybe it's a, a health fire. You know, you just can't figure out why things aren't getting better. You're going through life and you're struggling. You're like, why won't it get better? You're doing every single thing. You're doing every single thing that you know to do, but yet you're still struggling. So today what we want to tackle the question is what do we do when we're in the middle of the fire? In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7 it says this, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I like what the NLT version, it says this, It says these trials will reveal your faith and it will show your faith is genuine. So today we're going to be looking and grappling with some of these questions. And one thing I want you to get today is this. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. Think about that. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. And so today we're going to look in the lives of three young men, three teenagers, that their faith was tested. You know, the Bible tells it, if you'll turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, that's where our focus is going to be going on today in Daniel chapter 3. And and, and we're going to be studying the characters, maybe some of you remember the story, right, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, these guys were probably about 14 or 15 years old. Biblical scholars tell us that. And see, we're back to talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. And remember what I told you several weeks back, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was a bad dude. I mean, he was just no good. He was rotten. And at one point, he decides to make a giant statue. The Bible talks about in Daniel chapter 3, he makes this giant statue, and he tells everyone in the kingdom, you must bow down to this giant gold statue and worship it. Now, this gold statue is like 90 feet tall. For those of you who are football fans, maybe this will kind of put a little better in perspective. That's 30 yards straight up. 
That's how tall this statue was. And the king tells every single person in his government, I'm talking advisors, I'm talking leaders, magistrates, to come to the dedication. So we're going to pick it up there in Daniel chapter 3, and verse 4 through 6 says this. Then a herald shouted, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship the king. Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Church, I don't know about you. When I read it, I don't know what a zither is. So look it up for me. I couldn't figure it out, okay? But it goes on in verse 6. It says this. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So here's the deal, church. The king makes this law that as soon as you hear any musical instrument played, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're at, you bow down, you worship this gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has put into place. So now we got a problem. Check out with me verses 12 through 15. It says this, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? So think about this, church. These guys got some bad days ahead of them. So you, you got these three young men remember who they are, right? They are in exile, right? Uh, Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonians. They were brought back. So they are in a foreign land. They, they are working among foreign people, but they also had position. And the king is saying, this is what's going to happen. So these guys have a dilemma. They've got an issue. What is it we're going to do? Three teenage boys facing a bad day. But you know what? Do you realize, church, when we go through those difficult times, and we do, we go through difficult situations in life, there are some qualities that occur within our faith. When you have a faith in Jesus Christ, there are some qualities that occur within our faith. When we are facing seasons of trials, today we'll call them fires, just for the purpose of the story. Do you realize that God is speaking to us through his word when you're in the fire? The thing is, church, a lot of times we don't pay attention. First thing I really want you to get is this. When you're going through the fire, faith obeys God instead of following man. Man, this is very, very relevant for what our nation is going through today. Faith obeys God instead of following man. So in this story, everybody's bowing down except for these three young men. So you got three young men who are refusing to bow down. They are standing, church is what they're doing. They're not bowing down. They are standing. And then we're going to pick it up in uh, Daniel 3, 16. So it goes like this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. So here these guys are. They're standing before the king. And they're basically looking at the king saying, you know what, king? Yeah. We don't have to answer to you. 
We don't have to answer to you because this is not between us. This is not between me and you, King. This is between us and our God. Church, that takes a lot of faith. Faith obeys God instead of following man. See, these guys, church, they didn't have to think about it. You know what, seriously, they didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to fast about saying, let me fast and see what, you know, God tells me to do. It wasn't that. They didn't have to take dramatic circumstances and and post it in graphic detail on social media and say, hey, what should I do? No. They had one predetermined plan. We've been talking about this all month, church. They had one predetermined plan, and that was obedience to God. That was it. It didn't matter what man was saying. It's what God says. They had one predetermined plan. That's obedience to God. And so they said, you know what, king? (laughs) Ain't between us. We will be obedient to God no matter what. No matter what the circumstances. Church, remember, faith obeys God instead of following man. You know, they could have done what a lot of us do today. They could have compromised. They could have rationalized it down. You know, just think about it. You know, everybody else is bowing down, so they could have been like, you know what, hey, we'll just bow down. We'll just close our eyes. We'll just pretend that we're worshiping that 90-foot gold statue. But you know what, in our hearts, we'll be singing, how great is our God? They didn't do that. That's rationalizing. That's compromising. You know, they, they, they didn't say, you know, you know what, just worship the idol. We see this a lot. Just worship the idol and tomorrow we'll wake up with a ton of guilt and, and we'll repent for that, for what we've done, and I will ask God to forgive me for it. They didn't do that either, church. Or they didn't rationalize. They didn't compromise and say something like, you know what, If I'm dead, if I'm dead, then who's left to tell all the people about Jehovah, the one true God? They didn't do that. See, they had a predetermined outcome that we will honor and obey God no matter what the consequences. No matter what the consequences will be, we will not follow what everyone else is doing. We will be obedient and we will be loyal to our God. Church, you know what? In Christianity in the United States of America today, we struggle with the easy stuff. We really do. We're kind of spoiled. We struggle with the easy stuff. And, and you know, what are we going to do, church, when we are truly faced with true persecution? You know, we say we're being persecuted because someone disagreed with your faith on Facebook or any other mode of social media. Oh, they're persecuting me. I'm talking true persecution, church. Will you be able to stand in that fire? Because we struggle now with the easy stuff. See, that's where these guys are at. And if you are a follower of Christ, I'm talking about if you are truly, listen to me this morning, if you are truly trying to follow God's call in your life, then here's what you would do. You will stand firm. Because Satan, your spiritual enemy, he will give you ample opportunity. Listen He will give you ample opportunity, even today, to compromise what you know to be true. Sometimes even by the hour. See, what you know, church, are God's purposes for you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know God's purposes for your life. 
See, we, we, we cannot listen. We, we can't fall into it. Our faith, our faith, it must be focused on the audience of one, the one true God. So one of the hottest fires for me personally I've ever been through in my life, I, I was in my former job and, man, it was brutal for me. I ended up having to take a stand for something that was right. And I was the only one. Everybody else around me that worked in the office and it was in management, they, they wanted to take the easy way out. And, and man, I was struggling so hard with it because I literally, I was standing alone and I'm sitting there thinking, I know what's right. I know what I should be doing. And, and it was really, I mean, trying for me. My mind wouldn't shut off. You got one of those brains that just doesn't shut off. You go to sleep thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. Every minute you're breathing, you're thinking about it. And so we're going through this, this tough time. And so Mary, myself, the boys, we decide we we're going to get away. We go up to Port Clinton, <clears throat> get a hotel room just to hang out. I told all the boys, go swimming. I told them, I said, let's play hide and go seek. You go hide. I'll find you. But then I just laid down for a while. I'm joking. Didn't do that. Not that time. I had before. <laughs> but I'm sitting there laying on this thing. The boys are swimming. And I see this young man in the pool. He had three little kids. And he's looking at his kids. All of a sudden, he pointed one and said, give me number two. And this kid would rattle off the Ten Commandments, whatever one he asked for. Give me number one. They would rattle off. And I'm thinking, man, that dude's got it going on. He's teaching his kids. He's drilling them. What are God's commands for your life? So I'm sitting there watching this kind of in awe, sometimes even feeling like a failure as a father that I didn't do that right. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, this guy just abruptly gets up out of the pool, and he's coming over to me. I'm thinking, oh, man, i got to memorize it. Do I get all the commandments? Because he's going to ask me. He's going to ask me, like, what's number four? I'm like, do I have it right? His kids are showing me up. They're six years old. And so suddenly, this guy comes up to me, and he said, hey, don't think I'm weird. He said, God told me to tell you, you stand up for what you believe in, and he will see you through. And I was like, what? Because church, I've been praying. I've been like, God, tell me the answers and show me what you want me to do. And you know, I was reading God's word and it was all through the word and, and God knows Mark Blakely can be very slow sometimes. So he said, all right, you're not getting it in the word. So now I'm gonna have to send you a physical being that can hear so you can hear what it is I have to tell you. And at that moment I realized, all right, this is what I got to do. And you know what, church? You realize faith in the fire, what does it do? It obeys God. Faith in the fire. Here's exactly what faith in the fire does. It obeys God. It doesn't listen to the comments. It doesn't listen to the consensus. It doesn't listen to the world. Faith in the fire obeys God. We obey God and God alone. That's what we do. Second thing I want you to get out of today's sermon is this. Faith obeys in spite of what it sees. Faith obeys in spite of what it sees. Check out Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. Remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they go up to Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. Verse 17 says this. And they said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power and from your ma for your majesty. He will, well, let me say it again. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. See, there's a big difference, church, 
a really big difference between God just being able to do something in my life and God wanting to do something in my life. There's a big difference there. You know, maybe church, you leave the doctor's office with some really bad news, so what do we do? A lot of times we have that knee-jerk reaction, don't we? God knows that we struggle. Maybe you have that knee-jerk reaction at first, but then really the first thing that you do is we trust God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you get bad news from the doctor. You're like, all right, Lord, I'm trusting you in this. Church, that's where we need to go to. God, I'm, I'm trusting you in this. Second is this, our faith has to rise to the situation. Because some face it, sometimes our, our faith is not as strong as it should be. Your faith needs to rise to the situation that you are in. You develop and strengthen that faith by believing and trusting in God. See, you believe that God is not only able to heal, but I also believe that my God is willing to heal. Yes. See, but what he actually does, <laughs> that's up to him. He's willing and he's able. But whether he does it or not, that's up to him. See, he's just called us to pray and believe in the prayers of faith. That's what God has called all of us to, to pray and to believe in our prayers of faith. So maybe for you, church, it is that doctor's visit. Maybe it's even that you, you, you look at the, the checking account balance, right? And you're like, man, I don't got any money. You know, it's dangerously low. What do you do? First, you sell that jet ski that you don't need. Jet ski, the boat, whatever it is you got, something you don't need. You know what? Cancel your vacation, too. You don't have to have a vacation. And third, I've always told my boys this, you get a job, right? Minimum wage, whatever it is. Do you realize $14 an hour is better than $0 an hour? It is. You do your parts, right? You do the parts that you can control, the things that you can do. And then the fourth thing is you believe that my God is willing and he is able to provide. You do everything that you can do, then you trust God for the rest because his name is Jehovah Jireh, right? He is my provider is what that means. Maybe your relationship has fallen apart. What do we do? What does our faith do, church? What does our faith do when a relationship has fallen apart? Our faith has to grow. And it has to say this, I believe that my God is willing and he is able to restore. That's what we believe. As long as we are both doing what he has called us to. A lot of times I see marriages in trouble and they come for counseling. They don't want to change. They want to do business as usual. Well, the reason you're in trouble is because you've been doing business as usual. You have to do it differently now. You have to change the way that you're doing it. As long as you both are doing what God has called you to do, it can work out. Churches, all the years I've been preaching, I've realized you, you assemble some people together. There can be a lot of doubt in this room. There really can be. I'm not, I'm not hammering anybody this morning. Listen to what I'm going to say. There can be a lot of doubt in a room like this. It's because we get lured in by the enemy, don't we? We get lured in by the enemy, the, the, the things we allow ourselves to think. Do you realize you allow yourself to think some things? You do. You get sucked in. He will dangle that carrot right in front of you. He pulls you right in, and you bite on it. And a lot of times, you know what? We won't even let go. We hold on to that tight with a death grip. It's the things that we allow ourselves to think. And sometimes, church, it's the things we allow ourselves to pray. You can be praying wrong. 
It's true, you really can. You can be praying wrong. It can cause doubt in your mind. And also the things we allow the circumstances around us to define us. That can mess you up too. See, church, God is not confined to what you and I see. How many of you struggle with that? I do. I'm a visual guy. I got to see it. I got to touch it. I got to hear it. God is not confined to what we see. A lot of times you're going through these things. You're like, well, God, I don't see it. I don't see you working. I don't see you doing anything. Doesn't mean he's not working, church. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. See, God is not confined to the things that we see. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The stories you read in God's word, listen, he is still doing those same exact things. It's not outdated. It's no longer useful. He's still doing it. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can even ask him for. He's able to do that. So why do we doubt? It's because of this. Our faith says God is with us, so our faith must believe, church, no matter what we see. No matter what we see. There was a guy who started coming to church here years ago, and I'll call him Jimmy. Jimmy's my favorite name. So Jimmy started coming to church here, and and, and you know what? He he was one of them guys I would shake his hand after church. And and you know what I found out being a preacher? A lot of times, you know what you guys do? You tell the preacher what you think he wants to hear, or you go to counseling, you tell the counselor what you think the counselor wants to hear. Man, truly, a counselor and a preacher, they want you to be real. So Jimmy's coming through the line, shaking his hands, and he just looked at me and said, I don't know what I believe about God. And I said, wow, okay, you're, you're one of those guys. You're bold. I like it. I like it. You're going to be straight up with me. So I told him this. I said, you know what, Jimmy? Church is a really good place to wrestle with this. It's a really good place where you can wrestle with this because you can find some of the answers if you keep coming. So Jimmy kept coming, and, and it, he just, you know, we build a relationship together. Just talking to him here, there, and a little bit. And at times... Here's what Jimmy started telling me. He said, at times, you know what, preacher? I feel that God blesses everyone around me way more than he blesses me. So you kind of have that jealousy thing with blessings. We do that, don't we? So after years of just being, he felt like God forgot him. After years and years of this, after years of attending church, you know, many conversations, prayers, and, and sometimes, you know what? Just being real, things started to change for Jimmy. Suddenly, this wave of gratitude came over his heart. A wave of gratitude came over his mind. He began to be grateful for the things that God had given him. You know, he started serving. I remember the first time he attended one of our our events and he was serving. He came to me and said, man, that felt so good. That felt good doing something for somebody else. I said, keep doing it, man, because it gets better. It continues to grow in you. And so he began serving. He realized he came to me one day. He said, I don't make much money. I said, God knows what you make. He said, I need to start giving. I said, yes, you do. You get back what's God's. So he started serving. He, he started giving. He started helping people. And church's life, it, it began to change. And his biggest prayer, he came to me one time. He said, you know what? God is being so faithful to me. He said, my biggest prayer, preacher, will you pray this with me, is that my brother will come back to know Jesus Christ. 
He said we were raised in the church, he was baptized in the church, and he just fell away and he's living a life wild and free out there. So we begin to pray. Years later, many years later, he called me, he said, hey, my brother's not gonna make it, he's dying. He said, will you please go to the hospital? He said, I'm worried about what's gonna happen next. So I went up there to see Jimmy's little brother, Johnny. And Johnny said to me, he said, he said, I'm scared. I said, you don't have to be. So we walked through. Here's what's next. Here's what you have to do. And so this guy, he's laying in what would be his deathbed. And he said, I want to know that I'm going to go to heaven. So I walked him through it. We shared the scriptures. We prayed together in church. I'm not joking when I tell you. I never saw a more sincere prayer in my life. This dude was weeping. He was crying, asking God for forgiveness, saying, Lord, please accept me for who I am. So Jimmy passed away. Johnny passed away. And Jimmy told me at his funeral, he said, preacher, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I know my brother's in heaven. See, he said, but I'm a little disgusted and a little discouraged because I didn't think that that's the way it would happen. I didn't think that's the way that things would go. And for all of us, church, how often do we do that? We, God puts things in our hearts that we believe for, but he takes a different route because as soon as you start believing for it, you're like, all right, God, I know what it is. You take this way, you go here, you go there, and you do all these things, and that's the way it needs to be, God. Isn't that how we act? Yeah. I tell everybody all the time, there's literally, from where we're standing, there's 15 ways to get to Walmart and Calcutta. You can go on whatever road you want to, you will end up there. And you realize that God has many routes to get to where he wants to go. It isn't always your route. It's not the one that you choose. He picks it out. He often takes a different path to make it come around, and it's a path that you don't expect. That's how our God works. This is what makes him God, and you're not. He's God and you're not church. But the hardest question is, what if God doesn't do what you're believing him to do? Man, I've seen that a lot in ministry. What if God doesn't do what you're believing him to do? What if you are believing God to heal somebody and they pass away? That's a hard one, isn't it? We've experienced that many times here at this church. What if you're believing God? Church, this morning you're saying, what if you're believing God to, to bring your kid back to faith in Christ? What if you're, you're praying about that, but they seem further into addiction? They seem to rebel even more against God, and you're praying for that. So what do you do? Some of you, you're living this right now. Here's what you do. Faithful obedience is our responsibility. The outcome, that's God's. Faithful obedience, church, that's your responsibility. And the outcome is God's. This is the key. Living out what God has called you to do, the life that he has purposed you to have for you, the life he's purposed for you, this is our job. But you know what, church? That's where your job ends. That's where your job ends. What God does after that, that's his job. You do your job and let God do his job. Our job is to be obedient our job is to be obedient, just to be faithful. How it plays out, church, that's completely up to God. Check out Daniel chapter 3, verse 18. So remember, Shadrach, Meshach, they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not have to defend ourselves against you. None of your business. It's between us and God. 
And even if you throw us in the fire, the God we serve, he'll save us. And check out verse 18. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your God or worship the gold statue that you have set up. They said, we believe God can save us, but if he doesn't, psh, that's what he wants to do. That's where he's at. He is willing, but even if he doesn't, you know, it's super easy for us to hear this, right? And, and to listen to the story and say, duh, yeah, that's the way it works out. Because you know what? Of course they will. We know the outcome, right? We're several thousand years past this story. You already know how the story ends. You learned it in Sunday school. But these three young boys facing a hot elven, I'm talking, they were going to be crispy critters real soon. They don't know what God's going to do. They have no idea. They're in the middle of it. But their faith was unwavering. Their faith was unwavering. These guys knew immediately. They knew intimately. They, they knew, church, the goodness and the power in the heart of the God that they serve, the one true God. So in response to the rebellion, what does the king do? For those of you maybe need refresh with the story, the king orders the furnace he said, you're going to disobey me? He ordered the furnace to be stoked seven times hotter than normal. He ordered his strongest soldiers. He said, tie them boys up and you take them up there. So the soldiers took him to the hot furnace. And the Bible says that it was so hot, as soon as they got close to it, the soldiers perished. They burned up. The boys were thrown in the fiery furnace. And this is how hot it was. Well, you know what, church? But God, but God. Daniel chapter 3, 24 and 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and he spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And verse 25 says this, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking around in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. This is not the New Testament, church. This is the Old Testament. You know, this is in Acts. This is in Ephesians. This is the Old Testament before Jesus Christ came. This is what they call a Christophany. It's the Son of Man himself. He made an appearance, kind of a special appearance, before he came to this earth. And God will show you, church, Listen, if you're in a fire right now, God will show you his power in your life in different ways throughout the course of your life. He will. But you know what? You will have to know his presence. The evil king recognized who was in the fire. Church, when you're in the fire, do you recognize who's in it with you? Do you see God's hand at it? It's the tangible reality of the presence of Christ and you will know it best, church, when you're in the fire. See, we get lazy when things are going smooth. We don't always recognize God's working, but man, when things are tough, you see it. If you're looking, you will see it. You will see him looking. Three boys in the fire, tied up, and now suddenly there's four loose. And verse 25 goes on to say that they were not hurt. 
Their, their clothes, they weren't even scorched. The, the Bible says that they were loose, church. I want you to remember this. I really want you to get this this morning. Remember, they were tied up when they went in. And when they looked around, they saw four men unbound. See, because the fire burned what was tying them up. The fire burned what bound them up. Why is this relevant? Why is this relevant to you this morning? Church, some of you, you're facing a fire right now. Some of them are big. I mean, it's a scorcher. Some of them are small. We're not going to sit there and put it down. It's still a fire for you, right? Some of you, you're begging God to deliver you from the suffering. You're like, Lord, take this fire away from me. Get me out of the fire. You're begging God to, to end this season of challenge. I'm talking about a season of hurt, a season of pain, a season of trial. But I can let you know through this story, church. Listen to me. The very thing you want God to remove from you may be the very mechanism or the thing that God wants to use to set you free. That's what he wants to do. That fire might burn the chains off you. That fire might burn what's binding you up and holding you back. Don't minimize what the presence of God in your circumstance, because of your hurt, what he will accomplish. Don't minimize it. God will use all things, church. We say this all the time. God will use all things to work for his good so that glory may be brought to him. Just like the king, church. Daniel chapter three, verse 28, man. Last verse I'm gonna share with you. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, defied the king's commands, and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any god except their god. Did you hear this? The nasty king, Nebuchadnezzar, he said, praise be to the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Church, when we see God in our hurt, when we see God in our hurt, the world will look on, church, they're watching you. And if you handle it right, God will be glorified in your hurt. They will see you, but they will glorify God, just like the king. He said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we can look at today's circumstances. We can transfer this today. Praise be to the God of Jason, who was set free from addiction and never went back. Praise be to the God of Lisa who stood by her husband when she didn't have to and God made their marriage new. Praise be to the God of Jonathan who began to honor God with every aspect of his life and God blessed him. Church, when you stand in the middle of the battle, people's gonna see you. When you stand in the middle of the fire, people will see you, but they will honor God. As I share this last verse with you one more time, I want you to get it. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up here. Verse 28, one more time, church. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any God except their own. So church... This morning, I want you to think about this. I mean, what an amazing story of faith that we heard today. 
And so I want you to remember when your faith is tested, that's a faith that can be trusted. It's been through the fire. It's been refined, it has grown. And many of you, maybe this morning, you're sitting here, you're facing trials. I mean, you are in a fire right now, some kind, whatever it is, some may be huge, some may be subtle, but the fact is you are in a fire, but they all, church, every fire we are in, it feels significant to us. Don't you ever minimize somebody else's fire. They're going through it. But more importantly, that fire that you're going through, it, it means a lot to you because you're struggling. You're going through it. That very fire that you're going through is even more important to our God because he is the one who loves you more than anything, church. So this morning, as we close this out, I'm asking you, I'm talking about believers in Jesus Christ this morning. If you were a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, how many of you have the courage, listen to me, the courage to say, I am not asking to be delivered from this trial, but God, I'm asking you to deliver me through the trial. That you're asking God to strengthen you, to encourage you, to sustain you as you go through this fire. And remember that fire can refine you, man. It can make you stronger. It can burn those chains off. It can burn those ties off of you so that you may be set free. Remember, God is the one who will see it through. Even in your struggle, it's important that we call out to him and we have faith that he will do what he promises us, that he will walk through it with you. In church, when God makes a promise, you better believe it's going to happen. And what I love about this church, there's a lot of testimony in this church today of people who've been through the fire. And when you're going through it, sometimes I ain't ever going to make it. I ain't ever going to make it. You're going to have to leave me, keep going, leave me behind because I ain't going to make it. And then you sit here today, a living testimony of what God has done in your life. So this morning, this morning, maybe you're in a fire right now and you're saying, I don't have any faith. Maybe it's because your faith has not grown because you have not given your heart to Jesus Christ. See, when you give that heart, your heart to him, when you give him all your garbage, your sin, your shame, everything you've ever done, and man, he's willing to take it. He's begging you to give it to him. Then you can start to recognize. Then your faith begins to grow. In church, it's important that we exercise our faith. And one of the greatest ways you can exercise it is when you're in the fire. So for all you believers this morning, exercise your faith. For those of you who have been afraid to give your life to Jesus Christ, you're holding back, I don't know what it is. Something's keeping you held down. Something's tying you up. Something's holding you back. Let today be the day that you say, I'm done with it all. I want to surrender myself under him so that he can see me through. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. I want to encourage you to respond this morning.